Blog Talk Radio. This is a post time with Mike and Mike production. Quiglet, Jiglet, what a race! Always be Mickey on the outside. Always be Mickey. They're off and it is on. And betting line has taken the lead. Choo choo! Boom! Just like that! You're tuned in to Harness Racing's fastest 90 minutes post time with Mike and Mike. With co host Mike Carter. Believe in the spirit? Do you believe in miracles? And Mike Bozen. Smoking Gun Shaman Hall production. Smoking Gun is flying. Here comes Smoking Gun. I don't know! I am. That just happened! That just happened! with Mike and Mike, presented by Bet America, Mike Carter alongside of Mike Bozich. And Mike, our monthly town hall is today. It's going to come up uh, probably here in just a little bit. And, you know, it, it's been fun to do this, uh, to get these set up. This is only the second one we've done. The first one worked out great. The second one is going to be even better. We've got a, a lot more in-depth questions. And I'll tell you what, uh, they're not afraid to ask uh, some of the tough questions, that's for sure. No, certainly. We want to thank all the fans that took time to write us uh, emails with questions for uh, the USDA President Russell Williams. These are very important shows, Mike. I know a lot of shows we kind of have fun with, and of course we'll have fun with this one too, but uh, certainly some are more serious than others. And when we talk about the future of our sport and some of the uh, glaring problems that our sport faces, it's uh, good to be able to sit down with some one of the major players, certainly in the sport of harness racing, and uh, USDA President Russell Williams fits that bill. It's our second presidential town hall that's coming up towards the top of the hour. But, Mike, we've got a great show on top of that. Hall of Fame driver Dave Miller will be joining us. And what a choice. Talk about decisions, Mike Carter. Uh, Dave Miller had quite a decision uh, a day or two ago trying to uh, choose whether he's going to drive down by the seaside, who has been back-to-back in the top, the number one vote-getter in the top ten poll for the U.S. Trotting Association, and or Fear the Dragon, a horse that has been racing just just lights out. And uh, both trained by Brian Brown, and uh, Dave Miller made his decision to Fear the Dragon. Does that shock you at all, Mike? No, not really. Uh, you know, down by the seaside, um, raced extremely well. And he did say after that race that he would talk with trainer Brian Brown. And, you know, Brian's going to put him on who he thinks, uh, maybe thinks the better of the two horses are. Fear the Dragon has already defeated Huntsville once this year. So it definitely, uh, definitely sparked a little bit of interest. Uh, kind of like the Hamiltonian did a couple years ago, Mike, where Yannick Jingra had to make a decision between um, Pinkman and the Philly mission brief. Uh, and we all know right. how that turned out. So, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's going to be interesting. We are, it's going to be interesting to, uh, to find out if, uh, David Miller or Brian Brown, whoever made the decision, uh, made the right choice. We're also going to talk to horsewoman Tara Hines and Mike, this has only been done one other time, uh, to my recollection that somebody was a driver has ridden under saddle and is a jockey, and that was Chantel Southern. We're going to have Tara Hines on the program. Uh, she finished third in her first two efforts, and we're going to let her talk about the effort at Penn National because it was a wild one, that's for sure. 
No question about it. Plus, uh, the brand-new track announcer for the Grand Circuit at the Red Mile, and uh, still works for WEG, of course. Woodbine Entertainment Group, our good friend Mark McKelvey will stop by. We're going to talk some Pepsi North America Cup. What a fantastic card that is, just top to bottom, a great card. And Mark McKelvey will uh, help uh, run us down. Plus... We can't forget our segment on uh, running aces, Mike. It's our good friend Darren Gagne, and he's going to uh, he's got a couple of very special guests, uh, Mike, for the running aces segment this week. So we certainly don't want to miss that. But up next, it's Tara Hines. You've got post time with Mike and Mike, presented by Bet America. Now at Bet America, every track is a bonus track. Earn rewards points for every wager you make on every track. We also offer more points for all exotic wagers. And don't forget about our weekly promos. Check our calendar to see how you can earn double points on featured tracks and races. Sign up for Bet America today to start earning points and get up to a $400 bonus with our new 200% deposit match. See our website for reward points, state restrictions. Here at The Stable, our mission is to provide fair market for owners of yearlings while giving investors the most informative way to purchase all of or part of a horse. The Stable will cater to all budgets by having an open fractional buying market and a flat rate billing system. At The Stable, we aim to minimize the risk in buying and maximize the benefit of selling. Visit thestable.ca or give Anthony McDonald a call at 519-400-4263. That's 519-400-4263. It's thestable.ca. Consider who we are. According to the 2010 Equine Census, we are 28,340 people with 81,000 horses on 16,040 properties that comprise 587,000 acres. Our assets are $5.6 billion. Our direct operating expenses are $363 million. And our economic impact has never been accurately measured, but is in the billions. We are every breed and every discipline in the horse world, and we are the place where many of those disciplines began in these United States. We are the Maryland Horse Council. For more information, visit mdhorsecouncil.org. That's mdhorsecouncil.org. On this edition of Post Time with Mike and Mike, Mike Carter alongside of Mike Bozich, and we're joined now by all-around horsewoman Tara Hines. Tara, how's it going? It is going pretty well. How are you? Not too bad. Tara, talk to us a little bit about uh, you know your start, uh, first couple starts as a jockey. Uh, you rode at Penn National first, and then at Delaware Park, and you're two for two with hitting the board so far. Uh, yes. So uh, Penn National, for anyone who saw, um, was obviously not an optimal start. I, uh, it was my first start, you know, ever, and uh, the horse was um, acting up a bit in the gate, and, uh, you know, they they were trying to straighten him out, and he, you know, ended up knocking my foot right out of the stirrup right before the gates opened, so I did start that race without my iron, um, 
I was do pride myself in the ability to have maintained my composure. I did get it back, and uh, you know, within the first sixteenth of a mile. But that unpredicted um, issue obviously was a lot to think about in my first start, and then kind of altered the original plan, which was you know from the trainer's instructions. Um, and then, although it wasn't ideal, these things do happen. So uh, you know, all I can do is learn from that, and then try my best to avoid the repeat mistakes. But uh, you know, the I was glad that I was still able to get the horse to be in the race and, you know, hit the board and everything. And, you know, it's easy to say, oh, he would have, you know, probably would have won without that or things like that. But who knows, you know, I could have ended up locked in or, you know, anything else either. So um, I was just glad that I was able to then get him to relax again and respond to, you know, not totally uh, sabotage the first start. Tara Mike Bozic here. Uh, talk to us a little bit about the adjustment process from harness racing to thoroughbred racing. How'd that work out for you? Um, I think that the under saddle was beneficial, you know, because although it's not the same gait, et cetera, I was familiar with being out on the racetrack in close company with other horses, you know, at high speed. So you do still have the clipping of the heels and things like that to avoid. So I think that was extremely helpful. And even the driving, you know, it, it is different. You have to allow more room for swapping leads and things like that with the thoroughbred. But it, it definitely was beneficial. And, um, you know, I think the undersaddle just it proved to me that riding on the back of the horse was definitely what kind of set my soul on fire. And then, unfortunately, the races did become kind of few and far between. And, uh, you know, so I, I – was looking for something else, you know, and I kind of lost my fix with that. And that's when I started, you know, exercise riding. And, you know, eventually I think that, you know, I didn't know if I'd ever be able to deal with the weight challenge at my height, but um, after getting a taste of it, it really wasn't an option anymore. I had no choice but to <laughs> make it work because of how passionate I am about it. So it's it's worth it. Now, Tara, for those of our listeners who may not know uh, who you are or your background of that, uh, how did you get into racing in general? Um, racing in general, I have a riding horse farm and boarding facility in Monroe, New Jersey, and uh, it happens to be very close to the Landy family uh, farm, Congress Hill, which is a standard bread training facility as well. And just having become friendly with them, um, you know, anything to do with horses, you know, since I was a little girl, it's just, you know, I'm interested in at least learning about, I've you know, meddled in, you know, jumping, dressage, team penning, chasing cows, anything with a horse, I'm willing to try at least once or twice. And uh, so being neighbors with them, um, you know, I was interested in learning about it. And pretty soon after I'd met them is when they were discussing bringing the racing under saddle to the U.S. And that's how I, you know, began there. And then I thought that if I was going to be doing that, I should learn more about the breed. And then, you know, things escalated and no, I'll get myself one trotter for the races turned into, Oh, if I have to go to the races with one, I might as well have two and three and four. And then that just escalated because <laughs> quickly because of my personality. But now Sarah, I, you... uh, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Oh, I, I was now gonna... I've uh, sent them to Saratoga uh, mostly mm-hmm. to be trained so that I have a little less on my plate to focus on this. You know, uh, Monty races, racing under saddle is pretty popular overseas, uh, obviously much more popular overseas than it is here, although you notice uh, over the past few years that it's kind of starting to get its footing a little bit. You start to see uh, more racing under saddle races. As a matter of fact, there's been some on the wagering cards over the past uh, year or so. Um, Do you see racing under saddle ever catching fire in the United States uh, as much as it has overseas? Um, I wish that I could say yes, but unfortunately, I just 
I feel that um, there is a lot of difficulty as far as the betting situation and the purse money and, you know, the funding situation and so many things to pass and that seems to be like where everyone's hitting walls. And I, I think it's an absolutely wonderful sport, both for the horses, you know, and rider, but I unfortunately don't know if with each state having its own commissions and rules, it seems like it was it was hitting a lot of a lot of tough. Tara, before we let you go, tell us where we can see Tara Hines next. Um, as far as that goes, I'm not positive as of now when my next start is. I'm uh probably working now on you know, figuring out exactly what my weight can be and then, you know, hopefully uh, figuring out where my next man will be within the next couple of weeks. All right. Well, listen, we certainly appreciate you joining us. Best of luck to you in, in whatever it's, uh, you decide to do. Obviously, you're multi-talented, and uh, we certainly appreciate you joining us, and we'll certainly keep an eye out for you in the programs. Absolutely. Thank you. All right, that was Tara Hines. And, well, I'll tell you what, Mike, she brought up a, a very interesting thing that – you know, and listen, when I was growing up, I kind of wanted to be a jockey. I mean, I wanted to be a driver, I wanted to be a jockey, but uh, wait. Yeah, let's uh, <laughs> let's not talk about that. You notice how I stayed quiet there for a second. I, you know, Absolutely. Wait, wait is a big, you know, it's a big, it's a big part of it. And, uh, you know, it's not so much with the, the harness racing, uh, as we've seen on some people, but, you know, uh, you know, with the thoroughbreds, you have to come in at, you know, 110, 115, 120, you know, sometimes 125 pounds. Listen, I like chicken wings way too much for that. (laughs) Absolutely. Chicken wings and pizza. You know, one of the things I never understood, and actually this is, I get this question an awful lot from newcomers. Uh, as far as weight in the sulky during a harness race. And I have heard uh, basically from a lot of horsemen that actually weight doesn't matter. And it's just kind of tough to envision that fact that weight actually doesn't matter when pulling a sulky. I don't know. We'll have to ask Dave Miller that question because, you know, I mean, it's it's tough for me to believe that it doesn't make a difference. But I guess a lot of these horsemen say that the bikes are so aerodynamic nowadays that hey, maybe weight doesn't play a factor. Yeah, well, you know, it, it's interesting, uh, you know, how, you know, it, it's funny you say that because, you know, some I, I, I have a feeling that it could play a factor. I saw at, and, I, and I'm not saying the guy was big, so please, whoever was driving this horse, please don't, you know, don't take any offense to it. But you remember at Northville, um, I think it was last year, the year before, you know, a driver was bouncing up and down in the bike and the bike just split. You know what I'm saying? And so, you know, it's interesting that, you know, you see some drivers, they bounce, you see some drivers, they lean back, you see some drivers, they do certain things. You got to think aerodynamically that some way that, you know, weight does kind of play a little bit of a factor. Well, God forbid if I ever got in the bike, I'll tell you, because that thing would split in half. And I'm like you, buddy. I like my chicken wings and pizza much too much to <laughs> to ever dream about getting in the sulky, let alone the saddle. That is completely out of the question. We've got a Listen, lot I'll ride horseback, but not that. We've got a lot more coming up on this edition of Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by Bet America. Dave Miller, the Hall of Fame driver, will be joining us. We're going to talk about the big decision that he had to make just a couple of days ago between Down by the Seaside and Fear the Dragon coming up on Saturday. It's the Pepsi North America Cup. Mark McKelvey is going to chime in from Woodbine Entertainment. We're going to go through that card. What a great card it is coming up on Saturday. Just an all-star program of great harness horses. So we're going to talk to Mark McKelvey about that. Plus, of course, it's our second USTA. Town Hall, 
and uh, USDA President Russell Williams will be joining us, and we're going to go over some serious matters that uh, stare right in the face of the sport of harness racing. So that's going to be towards the top of the hour. Dave Miller's up next. You've got post time with Mike and Mike, presented by Bet America. $2 million in purses. One unforgettable night. It's Sunsteak Saturday at the Downs at the Lincoln Sun Pocono on Saturday, July 1st. The best of the best make their way to Northeast Pennsylvania for this prestigious night of racing with the Earl Beale Jr. Memorial Trot, the James Lynch Philly Pace, the Max Amp Memorial Pace, and the Ben Franklin Free-for-All Pace. Post time is 6.30 p.m. Fans can enter now for a chance to meet Wiggle and Jigglin and his connections on Eliminations Night, June 24th. Email your entry and why you want this experience to MeetWidgey at MoheganSunPocono.com. That's MeetWidgey at MoheganSunPocono.com by June 14th. Sun Steak Saturday, July 1st at the Downs at Mohegan Sun Pocono. Don't miss it. The New Vocations Racehorse Adoption Program places retired racehorses into approved monitored homes and transitions them into second careers. New Vocations has placed over 350 retired standard breads the past three years. They are now accepting horses from all racetracks in the United States. New Vocations has facilities in Ohio, Kentucky, and Pennsylvania and is expanding to New York. To learn more, visit newvocations.org and on Facebook at New Vocations racehorse adoption program Back on post time with Mike and Mike, presented by Bet America. Mike Bozich, along with Mike Carter, still a lot to come. It's our second USDA presidential town hall with the USDA president, Russell Williams. That'll be towards the top of the hour. Plus, Mark McKelvey will be joining us, and it's our continuing running aces series. The track announcer, Darren Ghani, has got a couple of special guests. We'll hear from them a little bit later on as well. But first things first, it's time for the Hall of Famer, my man, Dave Miller. Dave, how are you, buddy? <laughs> I'm doing good, Mike. Doing real good. Now, now listen, hopefully – now, we just had this discussion uh, right before we went to the last break, uh, and we're going to ask uh, one of the professionals because, honestly, this is a question that I get from a lot of newcomers, and it's concerning weight in the bike. Like, I'm a bigger guy, okay? I'm around 230, 235. <laughs> now, if a big guy like, like me gets in the bike, does it make a difference of how the horse performs? Um. You know what? I I've seen some big guys uh, that were pretty good drivers, and uh, you know you look at it. Common sense would tell you it's it's less, but uh, I think uh, with race bikes, um, it's more of a uh, the drag isn't like if you were on their back. So uh, that's our that's to our advantage uh, as being a harness driver is uh, weight is not as uh, crucial as you would think because I see some little guys that. Uh, do just okay and i've seen some big guys that do very well so uh i think the the drag is uh bottom you know if, say if it was on top of their back right right right. Well, I I, explain it. right right and, and i mean in some of the answers that some of the other guys and uh gals have given me is that the race bikes are just so aerodynamic now that you know yeah, i mean it's yeah it's, for it, sure it, 
that, you know, for some reason it just kind of, it just kind of uh, helps to, you know, I don't know, I guess kind of even it out or something. Yeah. You know, and, and they're all designed nowadays for lift. Uh, so, you know, um, it's it's not a, a direct weight on them, you know. I I think it's uh, and once they get rolling, I don't think they, you know, feel much of a difference. All right. Well, Dave, believe it or not, that's not why we've got you here today. <laughs> we, <laughs> we wanted we wanted to talk about the big decision, and obviously this had to be a, a huge decision. I mean, here you've got two obviously of the best three-year-olds in the country, along with Huntsville. You've got Fear the Dragon and Down by the Seaside. And uh, obviously you can't drive both of them, so you had to pick one. You chose Fear the Dragon. Tell us a little bit uh, what went into that thought process and uh, what, how you came up with that decision. Well, you know what? It, it, um, it, it is. It's very tough. And I, I struggle with stuff like that all the time. Um, you know, I hate to uh, I hate to disappoint people because I know I know they're counting on you, and you know, and I know uh, like when you don't pick their horse, they feel like that I didn't have uh, the confidence or whatever. But that really isn't the case. I I didn't have any commitment to either horse really. Um, but what it comes down to is that right now is uh, I just feel Fear the Dragon is probably sharper. You know, uh, he, he's a very good horse. I, I know he's kind of flown under the radar. Uh, you know, compared to the other two, but uh, I, I I like the horse a lot, and uh, I, I just feel that he's coming into this race maybe a little bit sharper than uh, Seaside is. Now, Dave, coming into this race, uh, the big three drew, or excuse me, selected post two, three, and four. How important is post position uh, at Mohawk? Well, you know, they tell me the the winningest post there is the six, and nobody ever takes that. You know, when it when you get to pick your post, you know it's it's an advantage for sure because it, you're not going to get the eight, nine, or ten, which is a lot to overcome. Um, but basically, you know, you're just trying to get somewhere in the middle where uh, you're not going to have that much traffic. Um, but drawing like that on the inside, you're, you people are uh, when they draw the five and six, they they're still going to be thinking they got a, a shot. You know, I mean, uh, so. It's it's an advantage, but it's a disadvantage too. You know, I, that's how I feel about it. I mean, uh, you try to try to get yourself in a good spot, but it sometimes it works, sometimes it don't. Visiting live with uh, Hall of Famer Dave Miller. Dave, of course, uh, has a big uh, big race, a big card actually. A lot of drives coming up on the Pepsi North America Cup night coming up Saturday at Mohawk. Dave, uh, Fear the Dragon had a little bit of trouble last time. Can you explain about the, what happened with him in his last race? Yeah, it, it, it was kind of it was kind of a freak accident, you know, freak thing. Uh, the two horse, I thought it was the Annex horse. When we when we when we were leaving the gate, I noticed that one of the two horses on the side of me lost her head number. It actually ended up being the two horse, and uh, I wasn't even you know that didn't even enter my mind that he might do something like that. But, you know, I got him back to the lead, and he's coming through the stretch, and he was just cruising along there, you know. And the next thing I know, he's running. And, I, I but, you know, my first thing is, like, what what just happened, <laughs> you know? And then uh, they said that there was, there was a head number that he uh, laying in the middle of the track that he stepped over. Uh, it kind of surprised me because he don't ever do anything wrong, but I guess it was the first time for everything. 
Well, Dave, it was uh, not only surprising to you, you could hear the the surprise in track announcer Ken Middleton's voice as well when the break happened because he saw he I guess he must have saw the head number because he said stepped over something. I guess he wasn't too sure as to what it was uh, in the middle of the racetrack. So uh, good thing uh, you know he came out of the race okay. It seemed like. Yeah, I, I talked to Brian on Monday and uh, he said he was fine. They they took him to the vet. You know, uh, he went along with Seaside and they. He got checked out. He got a clean bill of health. So, uh, you know, I'm I'm excited. I, I like my chances Saturday with him. I, I think he's in good shape. Well, Dave, you've got uh, not just that drive on Saturday. You've got a ton of stakes drives, and they start in race number three, the Armbrough Flight, where you bring Broadway Donna uh, into this race, coming off a second-place effort to charm life. Uh, talk a little bit about that trip, and uh, what kind of trip do you expect from Broadway Donna from post seven? Yeah, the, the trip last week was okay for her. She got off third, and I never had to move her till uh, till going into the last turn. And uh, she raced well. You know, she didn't she didn't win, but uh, uh, she raced well. She drew outside the seven, but um, you know, it's, she she's a class horse that shows up. And uh, you know what? I'm I'm hoping that uh, her trip works out, and I think she'll be right there. All right, Dave, moving right along. The Bohawk Gold Cup is race five, going for $100,000. And uh, you team up with McWicked, obviously a very popular horse uh, who pretty much had the entire 2016 off, but is back in 2017 and seems to be racing pretty well. Yeah, yeah. The old boy, he uh, he raced really well there last week. He, uh, You know, at four, he, he, he struggled a lot with his breathing. He had throat surgery done and uh, – I, at five, I really don't know what happened to him. Uh, they said he was a little sore. and By that time, I had kind of lost contact, contact with the horse. And uh, you know what? I went down to Pompano and drove him in March or February, I think it was, and he he was really good. And uh, they raced him in the Levy, and he did well there. And they gave him back to Casey, and uh, she seemed to do really good with the horse, and he – I raced him there two weeks ago. He was really sharp, really unbelievably good again. So, you know what? I think he's going to uh, improve off of that start. I think he's going to have a real good season this year. Now, Dave, your next drive comes in the Pepsi North America Cup consolation for a $75,000 person. Two starts back, Max Jackpot had an absolutely brutal trip. Uh, got away eighth uh, by 10 lengths, and then you really had to work and come three wide and uh, just got up by a neck over Stealth Bomber. Didn't have the best of luck in the elimination. Uh, what do you think of Max, Jackpot, Max Jackpot's chances here? Um, I, I think he'll do well. You know, that 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 race there suits him really good. You know, he, uh, I, that was the first time I had ever raced him there a couple of weeks ago. And, uh, he was a bit green, you know, I, I, uh, it's kind of hard to explain. He was off and on, he'd start and stop. And, uh, you know, I, I actually got him going again through the stretch area. He didn't get away from the gate good at all. And, uh, he was pretty much that way the whole mile. He'd be going and he'd be stopping and he'd be going again. And, uh, um, I did get him going through the stretch and he got by and, uh, this race here, I think he'll be fine, you know, I mean, with the horses, the horses that he's uh, is in with. The fan Hanover Daves in race nine. We had trainer Aaron Lambert on the show a couple of weeks ago, and uh, obviously Agent Q has been racing very well, but all of a sudden Tequila Monday has really uh, notched up her game. She's won three straight. She was super impressive in the Lismore final at Yonkers, and that form has certainly carried over to her next couple of starts. But uh, Agent Q is uh, still right there, and she's uh, battling hard. What are your thoughts of her? Yeah, 
Yeah, you know what? She is. She's a good little mare. She tries a hundred and ten percent. You know, uh, I, I was. I thought. You know, I, I got Sears in front of me there last week, and I thought I was in a good spot. Um, he took me into the race, and then he left me there through the stretch. I was. You know, at first I was like a little uh, concerned about her finish there last week, but then I looked at the chart, and she did come the, the fastest last quarter. So uh, I'm just going to have to have her up close, you know, uh, trying to come off the back. You know, maybe she's she's not a real big horse, and uh, maybe it's just a little bit too much for her to overcome. So I'm going to try to uh, try to have her up close in the race, and uh, hopefully she'll do well for him. Darren, uh, you know, Buck and uh, Darren, they're great guys, and I really hope that she does well. And Dave, some Hambletonian eligible horses in the Good Times final coming up at Mohawk at the $251,000 Good Times final. You drive 7-7, seven and seven, who was a four-time winner in 2016 and uh, made $226,000. Uh, has been lightly raced, only one start this year, and that was in the elimination where uh, you had to make up a lot of ground and still managed to finish third, only missing three lengths. Yeah, he he raced well. It was the first time I ever drove the horse, and the guy uh, that owns him, I think he trains him, and he told me, uh, he said he's probably not up to doing a whole lot yet, you know, so I just basically concentrated on just getting into the final, and uh, you know what, he he wasn't that sharp, really. He, uh, I know he closed in, uh, but himself, he was a little flat, so, you know, hopefully it'll be better, you know, he didn't draw very, well, he didn't draw horrible, you know, but I, I think he's just looking to get money, you know, hopefully trip out. I don't think he's up to doing anything real fancy yet. So, uh, you know, but he seems like a nice horse, and he had a great two-year-old season. I mean, I don't think you've heard the end of him, but uh, I just don't think he's, uh, you know, razor sharp right at the moment. All right, Dave. Race number 11 is the Roses Are Red final where you drive Bernadette from the rail 20 to 1 on the morning line, but you only missed two and a half lengths. Uh, You know, at the top of the stretch, you're only behind by a neck and still, uh, excuse me, Yannick, was driving that night. It was only behind by a neck and finished at 150 and three. Bernadette's been racing uh, pretty decently in Canada, and uh, home track advantage could play to uh, could play to her advantage. Yeah, but I hope so. You know, she she do the rail, which is good. You know, hopefully she can get away close. I I really, honestly, don't know the horse that much. Uh, I didn't even really pay attention to her last week there, but um, you know, I got the drive, so hopefully we can make the best of it. You know, hopefully uh, get away close and get some money now of course race number 12 is the pepsi north america cup and we've talked a little bit about this race already dave but the one thing uh that i you know that i notice here is there's a lot of early speed of course down by the seaside you've driven a lot and he has a lot of early speed huntsville's got a lot of early speed the one thing about fear the dragon is he's got speed but he also can rate off the pace is that could that play to his advantage here i i think so you know he's very versatile you know i he can come a big half, you know. I look for a few guys to, like, uh, take shots in there, you know. I, I know the one, two, three, and four look like they're definitely the horses to beat. And uh, But I know uh, going for that type of money, people have a tendency to take shots. And I wouldn't be surprised if the five and six both take shots leaving out of there, which it it's, it all depends on how easy Hunt still gets back to the lead, you know. I'm hoping he gets pushed and stretched out and, you know, I hope they wear him out some so I can pounce <laughs> on him late. <laughs> so, you know, it'll be interesting to see how the race unfolds. You know, if he gets an easy lead, then I'm in trouble. But, you know, I, I think if, you know, if, if, if they mix it up, you know, Yannick's off the rail, you know, he, he, he'll probably be pushing off. And I know what, I know what they're going to try to do with Seaside. 
So, uh, you know, uh, I just got to make sure that I'm within range of them turning for home. All right, Dave, you've got a big night coming up on Saturday. Much uh, the best luck to you, and uh, hopefully you come away uh, come away a winner in that big race. Thank you. Thank you very much. All right, that was driver Dave Miller. And, Mike, I tell you what, what a decision he had to make uh, down by the seaside versus Fear the Dragon. But, you know, he, he really feels like he made the correct decision, and uh, it's going to be uh, an interesting race come Saturday night. Yeah, it certainly is. As a matter of fact, Mike, that whole card from top down is just awesome. I mean, it's a great card. It's a can't-miss card. As a matter of fact, uh, maybe around 11.20 or so, we're going to have Mark McKelvey joining us, uh, and we're going to go through that card in its entirety because it's that good. But, boy, yeah, definitely a tough decision for the uh, Hall of Fame hands of Dave Miller. We'll see how that plays out come Saturday night. Well, it's our second USDA presidential town hall with Russell Williams. That is coming up next. You're not going to want to miss it. Stay tuned. Don't touch that dial. You've got post time with Mike and Mike. Presented by Bet America. Now at Bet America, every track is a bonus track. Earn rewards points for every wager you make on every track. We also offer more points for all exotic wagers. And don't forget about our weekly promos. Check our calendar to see how you can earn double points on featured tracks and races. Sign up for Bet America today to start earning points and get up to a $400 bonus with our new 200% deposit match. See our website for reward point state restrictions. Join Meadowlands Racing and Entertainment for live harness racing action this weekend. The 5th Annual Camel and Ostrich Derby takes place on Friday night with the Ostriches racing after race 3 and the Camels after race 8. On Saturday morning at 8 a.m., you can learn to call a race from Meadowlands track announcer Ken Morkenden. Tuition is $40 or $10 for high school or college students. Proceeds benefit the Harness Horse Youth Foundation. For more information, visit PlayMeadowlands.com. Embroidery Unlimited is a premier provider of quality embroidery, screen printing, and promotional products. Our commitment to quality and pride in our work is second to none. We focus on quality and customer service. For all of your stable or business needs, Embroidery Unlimited is the number one provider in harness racing. Give Jim Winsky a call at 508-485-5522. That's 508-485-5522. Or visit them on the internet at EmbroideryUNL.com. That's EmbroideryUNL.com. Embroidery Unlimited. Back on post time with Mike and Mike, presented by Bet America. It is now time for the USDA Presidential Town Hall. We're joined by the USDA President Russell Williams. First off, we want to thank everybody for writing in their questions. We'll do our best to get to all of the questions. Obviously, uh, we're in a little bit of a time constraint, so we won't be able to get to all of them, but we will certainly do our best and try. Russell, welcome to the show, my friend. Thank you, Mike. Russell, let's talk a little bit about your first, uh, gosh, I guess it's been, what, about four and a half months now since you've been elected as the USTA president. Talk to us a little bit about those four and a half months and uh, how it's been and uh, maybe some of the things that are going on at the USTA. 
Well, it's a, it's been a busy time, and uh, a lot of it has been me learning things that I thought I knew, or learning the correct version of things I thought I knew. But uh, I'm I'm getting there. I've uh, I've already identified a goal. Uh, there was a question about uh, what is my goal as USTA president, and that would be for harness racing to function in a cooperative, unified way. And I'm talking about. Uh, one or more formal agreements that would tie together all the constituents of racing uh, in joint ventures that we are just going to have to undertake. Uh, you probably remember from school that during the American Revolution, Ben Franklin designed a flag that had a, a snake that was cut up into parts, and the, and the flag said, join or die. And uh, that's what we're going to have to do because we've been watching harness racing decline but the whole time, we've been functioning as a whole bunch of constituent parts that don't work together. Uh, the problem is we have to do this voluntarily. The NHL has a league office. Major League Baseball has a commissioner. And they're used to working as a unified whole in each case. Uh, we have a number of tracks, horsemen's organizations, regulators spread out all over North America. And we're going to have to find a way to stitch that together and function in a unified way. Uh, I had some things to point out about Major League Baseball because they are really, um, they're really doing a great job with social media and cutting-edge marketing. Uh, they have, of course, a great website, and they have subscription packages that will work on 400 devices. Uh, you can, you know, you can watch games. You can find out any statistics you want. They also have... Um, a separate advanced media site, which is amazing because MLB can provide to any sports organization business content, strategy consulting, creative and product teams, social media and related marketing, digital ticketing and admission. Uh, they have apps for sponsorship and advertising management. The USTA can do all these things for harness racing. Um, so we can function like the uh, MLB, uh, on a smaller scale. For that to happen, there have to be two things. We have to figure out how to pay for it, which is going to mean that all those constituent groups have to get organized on the project and allocate costs and benefits. There can't be any more turf wars or special treatment for every, anybody. Second, this has to function at the national level and the local level. So some parts of this would operate more or less globally and could tie into European racing. Other parts have to be tailored for each individual track and its local market. But we can do that. Uh, if you've noticed, Facebook now has a deal with Major League Baseball to show 20 of the league's games live this season. It wasn't long before Twitter announced an agreement with the WNBA to show women's basketball games live. Amazon has a deal with the NFL to show professional football. Can I just point out that none of this is television? And it's a huge audience. Facebook says they have 182 individual users daily, 182 million individual users daily. So I'd like to see harness racing get a piece of that. Russell, Mike Carter here. Uh, we're going to jump into uh, 
the out of competition testing and more specifically uh, beard trainers. It was a fan question that we received. And the question says, Russell, I know from the debate in first town hall that you support out of competition testing. Does out of competition testing infringe on private property rights? And if so, what's the way around it? Okay. Um, Concerning that participants in harness racing consent to sampling at the farms and training centers as a condition of licensing. If you don't consent, you give up your license. So as part of that consent, the regulators are allowed to be wherever the licensees are. If a licensed trainer is allowed on private property at a training center, the regulators are allowed there as well. So it's by consent of the licensee, and that's how you get around the private property situation. Now, there's more more to this. I think uh, Howard Taylor had a good letter in Harness Racing Update about some of the due process points. And um, the out-of-competition testing has to be carried out properly so that it's effective legally and, and otherwise. Uh, I'm most familiar with the OCT regulations that apply in Pennsylvania, and all of the things that Howard talks about are covered there. You have to have a licensed vet. The concerned parties get to watch the sampling process. There's a chain of custody rules, just like at the tracks. And there's a split sample, just like at the track, except the split is retained at the lab instead of at the track when you have a sample collected out of competition. So I I think, uh, basically, you can think of it as being the same type of thing from a due process standpoint as what goes on in the paddock, except uh, it's going on at a training farm or some other location. Russell, Mike Bozich here. One of the topics we uh, spoke about in the last town hall was the subject of beard trainers and how to successfully combat them. I know you like to use the term outlaw trainers. Has the USTA made any strides in, in this uh, department since we spoke last? Uh, well, we went to the RCI convention in Charleston, and uh, this is a big topic with them. They see two things as being effective against the the outlaw trainers. One is out-of-competition testing because, remember, uh, it's away from the track that the outlaw trainers do their work. And the other is uh, refinements in uh, substance testing. Uh, You know, we like to characterize this as uh, some – Outlaw trainer comes up with a new substance. You know, they're they're amateur uh, pharmacologists, and then the testing have to catch up with them. But you can now screen. The, the commissions can now screen for something like 3,500 substances. Uh, it takes more time to do that, but um, but they can. And getting back to the to the OCT thing, you know, the the idea of um, an unlicensed trainer treating a horse uh, with something between races and and handling it in such a manner manner that it's not going to show up on race day. Um, the way to catch that is to be there where they are, you know, at the training center. So um, the, the USTA is we're not regulators, we're not commissions, but we are pushing for uh, advances in both these areas and. Advances are being made, as we learned at the RCI meeting uh, a month ago. 
All right, Russell, uh, another question uh, real quick about testing. Uh, can there ever be a time when there will be a universal threshold uh, for testing? Uh, we know a lot of states and commissions, they have their own thresholds as far as testing goes. Do you think we would be able to at some point um, you know, come up with like a universal threshold, kind of like uh, with like what MLB does through their commission, NBA, and all the uh, big sports uh, my, uh, my models. That's right. We're almost there. We are almost there. The um, uh, the commissions are they they just want to do the right thing. The fact that they haven't all arrived at the same levels, for example, is is really just a, a problem with um, politics more than anything else. You get, you, you know, you make some progress on a commission, and then new governor comes in and replaces everybody. But um, the uh, the commissions are in touch with one another, and they're getting closer to that. Now, you know, there's uh, federal legislation going in that purports to set up um, uh, basically a federal agency that will regulate medication in all the states, and they think they can get uniformity that way. Uh, there are a lot of issues with the federal legislation. It doesn't look like it's necessary, necessarily very friendly to harness racing. But I think uh, that shows the, that there is a political will to get uniformity. And the prospect of a, a federal regulatory scheme, I think, will push the states pretty effectively in the direction of uniformity themselves. I thought we uh, thought we had Mike there. We're going to switch gears uh, for right now, uh, Russell, to um, talk about uh, you know the USTA and its uh, developing presence to kind of effort or excuse me market the sport of harness racing. Uh, is the USTA kind of doing anything different? We know the Fan Zone uh, website has been kind of relaunched and uh, it looks really good. By the way, we wanted to make sure we uh, we told you guys that too. Thank you. Yeah, that. That's the people in Columbus. Uh, we have the best race association uh, in the country, and uh, they're doing a great job. The, the initiatives that I was talking about that the MLB is doing, uh, you know, live and on-demand multimedia, fantasy games, fan club management, uh, marketing statistics and data apps, we can do all that. So those things are going to have to be built out um, with the benefit of cooperation from everyone in the sport. So those I see those things as coming into being in the not-too-distant future when we get ourselves organized a little better. Right now, there, there's still a lot going on. Uh, there was a very good question about how the legislatures are rating the racing funds, the racing development funds in various states, and what can we do uh, to push back on that? Uh, one thing we have to do is we have to start marketing ourselves directly to government. Now, marketing to government has been done in one way for quite a long time. That's lobbying. And uh, I think in, in all the racing states, there's quite a bit of uh, good quality lobbying activity. But what about other forms of marketing? Uh, 
Pennsylvania, and I think all the other racing states, has a multi-million dollar marketing budget that comes out of the racing fund. It's administered here by the Department of Agriculture. So the USTA is aggressively going after business in these state marketing programs. Uh, first, uh, the USTA gets paid out of the state marketing budget, so we don't have to uh, figure out how to pay for it from our own budget. And second, um, by, by working with these uh, state agencies, in this case the Department of Agriculture in Pennsylvania, uh, we can build rapport and develop more of a partnership with the state officials. The USDA is damn good at what we're doing, and they're going to see that and appreciate it. Um, even in cases like Pennsylvania where there is a newly hired marketing director, that marketing director needs backup, needs content, needs uh, statistics to do what, what she needs to do, and we can provide it. Uh, what you get then is a situation where the legislature is looking for money. The horse people come in and say, don't take our racing money, and the Department of Agriculture will be right there with us because we will have worked with them and developed them as an ally in the political process. So I think, I think we can really help ourselves that way. <laughs> now, to give you some, some concrete examples, for 2017, uh, the USDA has already signed up with a harness racing company in Pennsylvania and has produced a, uh, quote, reality show that will follow horses, owners, and, and harness professionals from, from the sale to the winner's circle. This project has a $50,000 budget, and if it gets approved by the state, that will come out of the state marketing fund, so uh, our members won't have to pay for it. Um, and remember, anything we do in Pennsylvania, we can do anywhere else as well. Uh, for 2018, we want to take the, the USDA driving school and expand it in multiple locations as a harness racing skills camp. Not just driving, but um, all the things, grooms, training concepts, things that uh, people want to know, and we can mirror this uh, with instructional video on YouTube. So we'll have, we'll be generating content at the same time. Uh, not long ago, there was an incredible open house at Diamond Creek Farm and another one at Fairwinds Farm in New Jersey. And in 2018, we want to expand these to as many locations as possible. They draw big crowds. Uh, they're a great way to market the agricultural benefits of harness racing. And people from government show up at these things so we can continue to try to make friends uh, in the legislatures. Also, uh, of course, they strengthen the harness racing network and promote cooperation, which, as I said earlier, is a big deal with me. Um, a big project that will have major impact is that uh, we want to set up a system to enable trainers to market themselves to owners, especially to new owners. This is being done in Ireland, where money is provided to enable trainers to get on social media, develop websites, and exploit a lot of these techniques. Now, some of our harness racing trainers are already savvy in this area, and they're doing it, but not all. And um, I think we can provide marketing capabilities to, to anyone at little or no cost. 
Well, Russell, I'll tell you what, this has certainly been uh, enlightening. Uh, real quick before we let you go, and uh, like I said, we know you're uh, certainly stretched on time, so we appreciate the the uh, the few minutes that you're able to put aside for us and, and uh, to talk to everybody and let everybody know what's going on. But uh, we did want to get Mac Lobel's question in last time. I know you probably already touched on this right at the beginning of the town hall, but he wrote a question uh, last time. We weren't able to get to it, so I promised him we'd get to it. Uh, and basically, he just wanted to know what some of your personal goals are uh, while you're president. Well, um you know, when when your audience hears me say, um, I want to see harness racing knit itself together and function as a unified whole, it's probably some snickers, probably some head shaking, because we, I'm not the first to try to do this. But um, we're in a different climate now. I think the possibility of doing it is, is greater than it's been in my lifetime. I mean, I, we understand that we're in trouble. We're more aware of some of the damaging influences that we face. So I think, uh, you know, my goal is going to be to to uh, maximize contact with all my directors. And the great thing about having 60 directors, you know, people think that's too many. By having all those people, we have broad representation throughout the sport. Um, tracks, horsemen, veterinarians, and um we have the USTA has great uh, contact with the regulators as well, so it's going to be a matter of just continuing to pull this together. When we identify projects that we want to take on, we're going to start with some of the smaller ones I've described today. Um, you know, we'll go around and and get cooperation on those projects. Uh, there's a good one coming up uh, that John Campbell is working on concerning. Uniform racing rules, and you think, you know, you, you talk to five drivers, you're going to get five viewpoints. But we can we can get to that. Uh, if anybody can can uh, facilitate that happening, it's Campbell. And once we go through that exercise of working together and achieving uniform racing rules, we're going to start feeling the benefit of of functioning as a unit. So that's. That's really my only goal. It plays itself out a lot of different ways, but uh, that's the prime directive. He is the USDA President, Russell Williams. Russell, we certainly appreciate you joining us, and we'll talk to you next time. Thank you. All right, that was the USDA President, Russell Williams. Our second town hall, Mike Carter, is in the books, and uh, boy, some good stuff. I mean, that's just, you know, it's one of those interviews where just so much is being thrown at you that I think you got, I think that's kind of like the movie Pulp Fiction where you just have to have it a couple, you have to listen to it a couple of times to really digest all the stuff. Yeah, definitely. Uh, we got some uh, pretty good, uh, pretty good quotes on our Twitter page, uh, post time with Mike and Mike at PT Mike and Mike one. Um, and we may, uh, we may throw something else together here. This was uh, very, very informative and, you know, he brought a lot of good information and, you know, the one thing about it, Mike, they weren't afraid to answer the tough questions. Some of these questions right. were not easy as far as beard trainers go, as far as, you know, out of competition testing Howard Taylor's letter, you know, so it's interesting, uh, you know, to hear some of the answers and, viewpoints of uh, Russell Williams. Yeah, I think a lot of people were uh concerned, you know. I mean, it was a it was a very 
contested election. I mean, you had some great people there. You had, uh, you know, Joe Panaccio and Ryan Macedonio and, and Freddie Hudson uh, all running for this seat and Jason Sotomayor all running for this seat. And, and obviously what came out of this, I think, was transparency. And, you know, Russell's been very, very good with us. I mean, this is the, you know, the first ever town hall. We really didn't know, you know, how we were going to put this together or if Russell was going to give us his blessing to put us together. But he has just been great. He's been super of, uh, you know, sharing this information with the public. And I think that's what the sport needs more of, Mike, is we need to be transparent because, uh, you know, listen, integrity. It's all about integrity. And if we're going to get people to invest in this product and we're going to get people to bet on this product, we need to have it uh, completely on the up and up. I mean, just no room for you know any of this type of uh, beard trainers or anything like that. And I think you know Russell's done a fine job of being transparent and, and giving us that information, Mike. Yeah, I completely agree. And the transparency that they've shown uh, so far has been fantastic. I mean, look at the debate we did. Look at the first town hall. Look at this. Right. You know, it, it's really impressive, uh, the things that uh, we've been able to uh, accomplish with them. Yeah, certainly. And so a big hats off to Russell Williams, a big hats off to everybody uh, that took their time to write questions. And uh, listen, we're going to try to make this a monthly thing. So a month from now, we'll be doing it. Uh, we'll we'll kind of try to keep everybody updated of Russell's progress. So we're going to kind of be Russell's watchdogs, if you will. When we come back, we're going to uh, talk more about this great North America card, this North America Cup card, Pepsi North America Cup coming up on Saturday. The card's just outstanding. It's at Mohawk and Mark McKelvey's going to join us to dig into it a little more. You've got Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by Bet America. Here at The Stable, our mission is to provide fair market for owners of yearlings while giving investors the most informative way to purchase all of or part of a horse. The Stable will cater to all budgets by having an open fractional buying market and a flat rate billing system. At the stable, we aim to minimize the risk in buying and maximize the benefit of selling. Visit thestable.ca or give Anthony McDonald a call at 519-400-4263. That's 519-400-4263. It's thestable.ca. Consider who we are. According to the 2010 Equine Census, we are 28,340 people with 81,000 horses on 16,040 properties that comprise 587,000 acres. Our assets are $5.6 billion. Our direct operating expenses are $363 million. And our economic impact has never been accurately measured, but is in the billions. We are every breed and every discipline in the horse world, and we are the place where many of those disciplines began in these United States. We are the Maryland Horse Council. For more information, visit mdhorsecouncil.org. That's mdhorsecouncil.org.
Join Meadowlands Racing and Entertainment for live harness racing action this weekend. The 5th Annual Camel and Ostrich Derby takes place on Friday night with the Ostriches racing after race 3 and the Camels after race 8. On Saturday morning at 8 a.m., you can learn to call a race from Meadowlands track announcer Ken Morkenden. Tuition is $40 or $10 for high school or college students. Proceeds benefit the Harness Horse Youth Foundation. For more information, visit PlayMetalands.com. We're back on this edition of Post Time with Mike and Mike. Mike Carter alongside of Mike Bozich. Still to come is our Running Aces segment. That'll be up here in just a little bit. But first, we're joined by Mark McKelvey from Woodbine Entertainment Group. Mark, how are we doing this morning? I'm doing wonderful, guys. How about yourself? Not too bad. Well, Mark, before we dive into this uh, Pepsi North America Cup night and program, we we have to congratulate you on uh, your position at the Red Mile and uh, talk to us a little bit about what that's like and uh, what do you think that's going to be like uh, coming up uh, later on this year. Oh, first of all, thank you very much. Um, it's uh, really exciting news. Uh, I, I can't really wait for uh, the fall to get here. I'm pretty excited about it. Um, it's going to be a you know a tremendous experience. There's nothing better. Uh, haven't been to the Red Mile, you know, more than ten times almost every year that that I've been around. Um, it's uh, the best place to watch harness racing. You know, a nice warm afternoon in the fall uh, doesn't get much better than that. And um, you know, I'm really excited about the opportunity. And at the same time, I, I know I'm filling some pretty big shoes, and I'm just gonna uh, do my best to uh, pretty much uh, step in there and and uh, kind of keep the tradition of the Red Mile alive and well because uh, Sam McKee, uh, he was uh, the voice of the Red Mile for for quite a long time there, and uh, he did an unbelievable job and, um, you know, it's impossible shoes to fill, but, but I'll try my best. All right, Mark. Well, uh, let's talk about the big night. Pepsi North America cup night is coming up on a Saturday. And before we dive into the program, uh, tell our listeners uh, what they can expect if they uh, come out to visit the racetrack. Well, on track, uh, we've got, got quite a night uh, planned and everything put together. Um, it's actually going to begin at, at four o'clock. That's when our doors open. Uh, we're having a pre-race concert uh, this year, at, uh, starting at five o'clock, with uh, a country star uh, Kira Isabella. Uh, she's a, you know got a pretty good name here in uh, north of the border in Canada, and um, we're really excited to have her. So she's going to put on a show from five to six, and then racing gets underway at six thirty. But but on track, we've got plenty of things planned uh, when you when you come in this year. Uh, it's ten dollars admission this year, but when you do come in, you receive a hat. You also receive uh, your first bet on us, which we we are able to give you a, a free two dollar bet. So um, once you get in, you're pretty much set to get going for the night. And uh, we've got a uh, beer garden set up. We'll have food trucks. We'll have a, a whole a bunch of things going on on track to, to entertain uh, the fans all night long and even between races. Um, and throughout the night, we also have another country star, Jojo Mason, who will be performing all night. So uh, we've got a whole night of activities planned and obviously all centering around the, the $1 million Pepsi uh, North America Cup, which is uh, race 12 on our 15 race card. All right, Mark, uh, hopefully you got a program in front of you. We're going to talk about a few of the races uh, coming up on a Saturday, and we're going to kick it off with the Armbro Flight in race number three. Of course, Charm Life takes on Hanalore Hanover, and Hanalore Hanover's had a pretty big season so far, only finishing second to Charmed Life in the Miami Valley uh, distaff. Of course, uh, we talked to David Miller earlier. Broadway Donna is back to Priest Hill. This is a pretty loaded field. Yeah, it really is, and uh... – 
you know, when you look at Hanover, Hanover, just the success she's had at, at our racetrack here at Mohawk over the last couple of seasons has been incredible. Uh, she won the Armbrough Plate last year. She she almost won the Maple Leaf Trot against the boys uh, last September. So she she loves our racing surface and uh, she holds the track record. So she'll be awfully tough to beat. But you're right, there's a lot of good uh, mares in this field. Uh, really intriguing to kind of watch how Broadway Donna and Caprice Hill do. Um, now they're in the four-year-old ranks because we know what they did as three-year-olds and they were just dominant. Caprice Hill loves our racing surface. I think she's won. Uh, I think she's had over 12 wins in her career here at uh, Mohawk. So, uh, you know, I'm hoping to see some pretty good performances because uh, yeah, there is a possibility that Handel or Hanover just kind of uh, turns it into, you know, another Sunday stroll as Yannick Jingra was quoted as saying after her elimination. I don't think that'll happen. I think certainly though they'll want to get a little revenge on Charm Life for that uh, that defeat uh, earlier in the season at Miami Valley, but it'll be a really good race, I think. Mark Mike Bozich here, race five is the Mohawk Gold Cup invitation are going for a purse of $100,000. And Chris and me, who uh, made his long-awaited North American debut uh, just uh, a couple of starts back, is uh, in this race, drawing post-10, once again closing very, very sharply last time, 25-3, and three, just missing to a clear vision at the Meadowlands. But uh, obviously has uh, a pretty big hill to climb, you would think, I mean, from post-10. You've got a lot of accomplished horses inside of that one. Mick Wick is starting from post-2, always at my place, who I saw last week at Harris, Philadelphia, just look sharp, lights out. Even better, two starts back at the Meadowlands. Of course, you've got great vintage and Shambhala. It's going to be a very interesting race. Yeah, it is. And this is one of the races that I think I look forward to the most on this card because it is an invitational. So so we do our best to try to compile a, a really strong field. And that's what we've got, a good field of 10. And uh, I like that you bring up Chris and me because uh, originally uh, – Jim King, they had planned, and Joanne Looney King, they planned on having Wakazashi Hanover in this race. And unfortunately, uh, he uh, had something happened to him last week, and uh, he ended up uh, well back. He was racing in our preferred. So um, they decided to bring Chris and me this week, which uh, here's a horse that I think a lot of people are really intrigued about. And just like you mentioned, the, that wicked closing speed he has, it's, it's too bad he drew the 10 hole. But um, at the same time, uh, who knows what could happen because I think this is the kind of race where uh, the closers might have a good shot. I think it could set up well for a Shambhala who's kind of disappointed a little bit this year, but uh, he'll be making his fourth start and you're just kind of waiting for him to finally break through. And another horse in there is Dr. Jay Hanover who uh, over the last two weeks, wow, what a name he's made for, for himself uh, winning there at Tioga on Sunday afternoon, but you know, two weeks back winning, the uh, graduate leg here at Mohawk in, in 146-4, and four, an all-time Canadian record. So really excited to have him in the field and the way he's racing uh, just to go up against this group. It's going to be a fun race for sure. Another very competitive race, Mark, is race number six. It's the Pepsi North America Cup Consolation. And uh, it goes for a purse of $75,000. Normandy Beach uh, was in a perfect position in the elimination and then just kind of tired late in the mile. Of course, you have Hurricane Beach, who finished fourth, uh, to Fear the Dragon and Filibuster Hanover. Of course, Ocean Colony was there. And I'll tell you something, Hurricane Beach almost benefited from the Fear the Dragon miscue. Yeah, he certainly did. If if things had gone a little different there, he likely would have gotten to the final. And boy, was he ever a handful for uh, driver Louis-Philippe Waugh. Uh, especially in that second quarter, he was almost running over Yannick Shingra and uh, Hurricane Beach. Uh, you know, he won the Sun Beach somewhere, uh, division of the Sun Beach somewhere a couple weeks back, and looked really good. He won by four lengths uh, 
in, in 50 and three. And uh, I was a horse that I thought probably was going to get into the final. So here's a good chance for him. And uh, over the years, I think this consolation and I'd have to go back, but usually the consolation, we seem to find that the locals are the ones that are able to come through with the victory. I, so we'll see what happens in this race, but it's nice to get a consolation field together. You know, there's not many stake races right now in our sport where we are able to get a consolation. So it's a good field in nine. And uh, I think another horse to watch in there is Lawrence Town Beach uh, for trainer driver Paul McDonnell. I, I know he had good things to say about him going into the NA Cup elimination. Uh, finished a disappointing seventh, but uh, he was pretty much trending upward. So we'll see if maybe that was a one-off and uh, he can kind of get things back on track in this race. But all around a, a really solid field. It's race six. It's in our it's in our early pick four. So uh, I think this is a pretty uh, a race where you have to go a few different options for sure. Yeah, the ninth race starts the $100,000 guaranteed pick four, and of course, it's a 20-cent minimum wager there, and it is the fan handover for three-year-old Philly Paces, and Tequila Monday has just looked phenomenal her last three starts. I mean, that race in the Lismore back on the 27th of Yonkers, the 27th of May, really caught my eye as she just blew by the field. Uh, and Agent Q's back in this race, and of course, right alongside it, Tequila Monday to her inside, you've got Idyllic Beach. Uh, certainly going to be very interesting. I guess the question is, is can Tequila Monday continue her sharp ways? Yeah, and that's that is the question. And and I certainly believe, based on those performances we've seen, uh, she certainly can. Uh, Idyllic Beach, she won the She's a Great Lady here uh, last uh, September, uh, right here at Mohawk. So she's got uh, she's got a good track record over this surface, um, and they're going to start side by side. I think uh, this is a race where um, I think we'll see things mixed up pretty early. A horse I've got my eye on is betters up that uh, in the racing program you'll see uh, on saturday night if you're on track we we had a bunch of different uh uh experts you could say put together some of their long shot picks of the night and, and their locks of the night and whatnot betters up was my long bomb pick of the night uh, i loved how she uh, raced in the elimination you know she had to go a huge third quarter when uh, confronted by she's watching and she still was able to reply in the stretch and finish second so i'm going to keep my eye on her and I think she's got a good shot, but at the same time, this is a race where I think you're looking at the four and the five, uh, Ideal Beach and Tequila Monday. They're sort of the, the top of the division at the moment, but at the same time, uh, again, big money on the line. You know, you, I heard David Miller talking about when big money's on the line, some interesting things can happen. Mark, some horses that you might get to call in Kentucky and the Kentucky Futurity show up in race 10. It is the Good Times Final, four trotters, a purse of $251,000, and some Hamiltonian eligible horses in this field. Of course, number four, Good Times, is uh, five for five so far in um, in his young career. And he raced really well in the Good Times uh, elimination. He went right to the top and then you know, just never really looked back. And in the New York Sire Stakes, the one start in the New York Sire Stakes he had was at Vernon Downs, and he won absolutely easily. Is this interim prizes race to win or lose just about, or do you think there are a couple other contenders? Well, I think definitely uh, Enterprise will be the favorite. Uh, I liked what, you know, Dave Miller drove him in the elimination when Tim Tietrich had some issues getting here last uh, last Friday. And uh, Dave Miller said, wow, what a, what a catch drive to just pick up. He didn't have to do a whole lot. But I think it is his race to win or lose the good times has had some upsets over the years, but it's also had some pretty good horses uh, come through that have gone on to have a great success. You know, I can think of likes of uh, majestic sun was one of them or say glide master. So um, I think it's enterprises race to win or lose, but the horse that I'm keeping my eye on, I know a lot of folks around the Mohawk area are keeping their eye on is seven and seven 
for uh, trainer Tom Duran. David Miller drove him last week for the first time in the elimination. and It was his first start of the season, so uh, he finished fourth, trot his mile in 54-3. and three. Uh, I think a lot of people thought he probably could have won his elimination going in, but maybe he just needed that start. He won the Wellwood here last year, and he's a horse that I think has uh, some great potential uh, to do some good things on the grand circuit. So we'll see what happens, but I'm with you. I think Enterprise, this is uh, his race to win or lose. The Roses are Red Finals Race 11. Mark going for a price of $365,000. And uh, the elephant in the room, if you will, is Lady Shadow. And she looked fantastic here. Had a chance to see her up close in the Betsy Ross a couple of weeks ago at Harris Philly. And she was just... well, it was Lady Shadow. I mean, she's just a beast. There's no other way to put it. Uh, she did not disappoint in the Roses already eliminations. However, I will say this. Nike Franco, back in the Betsy Ross, didn't have the greatest of trips, uh, was flying home. At, I mean, Lady Shadow had the race pretty much wrapped up by that point, but still a good 27-1 close. Nike Franco gets the bigger track. Maybe that could be the great equalizer here in the final, Mark. Yeah, I think so. I went with Nike Franco in this race over Lady Shadow, and mostly just because I think uh, – you kind of wonder how long can a horse uh, sort of reign over the division, but uh, Lady Shadow, she is certainly the, the horse to beat, and she's going for her third consecutive uh, win in the Roses are red, which uh, would tie Androvet's record as she also won three in a row, and when Androvet won three in a row, uh, then Lady Shadow took over, so it's been this race has been dominated for uh, close to half a dozen years now. Uh, Lady Shadow she loves this track as well, and, and she loves any track, really. She can just fly. So it, she'll be tough to beat, but I'm with you. Nike Franco was really impressive in her elimination, winning at 149-2. and two. And, again, Tim Tietrich had some good things to say about her. And, um, you know, as a kind of the media and PR guy here at Mohawk, uh, found it interesting that I was, uh, you know, shouldn't have been surprised, I guess, but getting some messages and some emails from uh, those down under who were looking for some information on her. So she certainly got a, a big following uh, back in Australia and New Zealand, and they're quite excited, I know, about this weekend. So I think it should be a a really good race. There's obviously some really good uh, mares in there as well, including the four-year-olds with the likes of Pen Pal and and Pure Country and Prairie Sweetheart. But I think they'll have to wait for their day because uh, I think this is going to come down to Nike Franco and Lady Shadow. Mark, race number 12 is the big race. It's the $1 million Pepsi North America Cup final for three-year-old Pacers. And the big three selected post two, three, and four. And David Miller made an interesting point uh, that the winningest uh, post at Mohawk is post number six. So nobody went there, obviously. Of course, you've got Fear the Dragon, Huntsville, and Down by the Seaside. Fear the Dragon got extremely lucky to get into this final after uh, stepping over a head number in his elimination, but the fastest of the three eliminations went to Huntsville in 149 and one and Huntsville won pretty easily. Um, the only issue that I had Mark and uh, you know, we're going to let you talk here in a second was Huntsville had the easier of the eliminations. In my opinion, of course you had filibuster Hanover and ocean colony facing fear the dragon. And then you had Western Hill facing down by the seaside. So uh, a lot of great competitors and all of the eliminations, but uh, do you think it comes down to these three or do we have a uh, upset minded horse uh, somewhere in the, uh, in the wind? I would love to, to answer and say that there's somebody else out there, but I think it comes down to, down to these three. Uh, obviously, they're, I think, superstars and in, in the top of our the division at the moment. Uh, Huntsville just has that presence about him. He just is a big, powerful horse, and when you see him on the racetrack, he looks like a star. And I think uh, you know he's 8-5 to five morning line choice. He'll be tough to beat in here. Um, I've been really inf- impressed with Fear of the Dragon uh, all season long. I did a top uh, – kind of a top 10 in the winter for our winter book. And I had fear of the dragon number three 
behind Huntsville and down by the seaside and it's lived up to that. But fear the dragon. Now I think you could make the case that he is number two to Huntsville um, just because of the way he's looked. And I think, you talk about him jumping over that head number. That just kind of showed his athleticism that he was able to, to regroup as fast as he did. And obviously David Miller selecting him as his uh, drive for the final uh, says a lot about what he thinks of this horse. At the same time, with Brian Sears picking up the drive on down by the seaside, all of a sudden that just changes things to me because uh, Brian Sears is going in the Hall of Fame this summer. and uh, We've seen him in these situations before. I think back to Pinkman in the Hamiltonian, you know, just slips in there in time for the final and he's able to get a horse to the winner's circle and he's uh, had success in this race before as Sears he's a two-time winner um, and it's interesting that our three elimination winners uh, will all be driven by the last three winners of, of the Pepsi North America Cup you had Sears with Jake and of an era T-Trick with Wakazashi Hanover and last year David Miller with betting lines so it's going to be a fantastic race this is uh, having three horses that are you can make a case for and, and all have a legit shot to win, I think really makes it interesting, uh, say, if you'd had just two horses. So we'll, we'll see what happens in this race. Uh, and I heard David Miller talk about it. You might see somebody from the outside take a shot. They likely will. And uh, I don't think Huntsville will get it really easy on the front. Uh, just we're going for a million dollars here. That doesn't seem likely. So it's going to be a fun race for sure. No question about it. Well, Mark, listen, we certainly appreciate you joining us, my friend. It's a big day coming up, big night coming up on this Saturday night. Some great wagering opportunities. You've got a couple of pick fours there, and it's just a bang-up card top down. And once again, congratulations. Uh, you're, of course, going to be the Grand Circuit Voice at the Red Mile, and we're certainly looking forward to that, my friend. Great. Thank you very much, and uh, we look forward to, to Saturday night. Look forward to chatting with you guys down the road. All right, that was Mark McKelvey uh, really doing a great job, Mike, of breaking down that tremendous card coming up on Saturday night at Mohawk. Yeah, he did. He went through all those races, and you know the the knowledge that he has is uh, is unprecedented. And uh, he's he's more my age than he is yours. Uh, let, let me just say that. But uh, you know, listen, he uh, as as young as he is, uh, you know what? He's got a lot of great knowledge, and that's a very impressive uh, quality to have in uh, somebody that's his age. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I got I got my walker here and my cane, so let me see if I can, yeah. uh, you know, make it up here. Anyway, uh, we still have more yet to come on this edition of Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by Bet America. Our good friend Darren Gagne is next. It's our Running Aces segment, and uh, he had a chance to catch up with two very special guests, so you're not going to want to miss that. It's on the backside of this commercial break. Still plenty left to come. Don't go anywhere on Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by Bet America. Now at Bet America, every track is a bonus track. Earn rewards points for every wager you make on every track. We also offer more points for all exotic wagers. And don't forget about our weekly promos. Check our calendar to see how you can earn double points on featured tracks and races. Sign up for Bet America today to start earning points and get up to a $400 bonus with our new 200% deposit match. See our website for reward points, state restrictions. Running Aces Casino and Racetrack is the premier harness racing facility and card club in the Upper Midwest, located just off I-35 and just north of the Twin Cities in beautiful Minnesota and available at simulcast centers and on ADWs across North America. With live harness racing action on Tuesday, Saturday, and Sunday nights from May through September. This season, Running Aces introduces the new 20-cent jackpot pick five wager. For more information, visit our website, runaces.com.
And here are the highlights from the past week of racing action at Running Aces. On Saturday, June 10th, the $10,000 Open Handicap Trot was contested, and My Little Susie took the spotlight to post her first local win of the year with a furious stretch charge to stop the clock in 155 flat and register a new track record for four-year-old trotting mares. My Little Susie was driven to the victory by Steve Wiseman, is owned by a piece of the action, and trained by Kathy Plested Wiseman. Also on Saturday night, Whatever She's Got converted a pocket trip into a big win in 157-1, a new lifetime mark with winning driver Jerry Longo for owner and trainer Jenny King. Whatever She's Got took the second leg of the Charlie Hare trotting series. Also Saturday night, Ideal Jesse with trainer driver James Yoder posted a tremendous gate-to-wire win, drawing away by eight lengths in the three-year-old open trot, registering a lifetime best mile of 157 and four. And Ideal Jesse is also owned by James Yoder with Jesse Yoder. On Sunday, the 11th of June, EL Peacemaker was a sharp winner in 155-1 with Steve Wiseman in the sulky, taking the first division of the second leg of the Noreen Sea Philly and Mare Pacing Series for trainer Brett Ballinger and owner Russell Crotchet. Pennies from Heaven also proved victorious in 155-1 as well, taking the second division of the Noreen Sea Pacing Series. Pennies from Heaven uh, driven to victory by Nick Rowland for trainer Justin Anfinson and owner Tom Tietrich. More series action on Sunday was the second leg of the Minnehaha Philly and Mare Claiming Pacing Series. Up to win by a head, Moon is on fire in 154-4 with Nick Rowland in the sulky for trainer Luke Plano and owner Dave Hennis. Easy Again captured the featured condition pace on Sunday, June 11th with a sharp gate-to-wire tally from post-8, an impressive late kick in 27 and one fifth in the final quarter to stop the clock in 152 flat and register the victory by four and a half lengths. Easy Again was driven to victory by Rick McGee for owners Dr. Ken Rucker and Jana Lee Rucker. It was the first win of the year for Easy Again. On Tuesday night, June 13th, Kayla Grace took top billing on the program with a sharp win in the Mayor's Open Pace in 152-4, and four, a new lifetime mark with Joe Castagrand in the sulky. It was the sixth win of the season in 19 starts this year for Kayla Grace, who converted the pocket trip for the victory. It was also the 50th lifetime win for Kayla Grace, She's owned by ECS Racing and Kevin St. Charles of Michigan. Series action on Tuesday night included the What a Terror pacing series in two divisions. The first division went to Wonder Bull with a gate-to-wire win by a neck and a lifetime best 154 flat with trainer driver Nick Rowland in the sulky for owners Rick and Lisa Peters. Wonder Bull got up, uh, held on rather, to win by a neck over a fast-charging Mr. Ranger who finished second, a very sharp second in that mile, with James Yoder in the sulky. Then in the second division of the What a Terror pacing series, on Tuesday night, he grins again with Dean McGee in the sulky. For owners Lloyd and Judith Schneiderman went gate to wire to win in 157-4. and four. A Big weekend coming up at Running Aces this weekend. Father's Day weekend with live racing on Saturday and Sunday. Post time both days at 6 p.m. Central. Sunday's program features the finals of several of our series events. $15,000 final in the Noreen C. Philly and Mayor Pacing Series 
on Sunday. Also, the $15,000 final in the What a Terror Pacing Series this coming Sunday. And the $15,000 Charlie Hare Trotting Series final will be contested, as well as the $12,500 final in the Minnehaha Philly and Mayor Claiming Pacing Series and the $12,000 final on the Best Deal in Town Pacing Claiming Series. Don't forget to check us out on Facebook, Running Aces Casino and Racetrack. Visit our website, runaces.com, and tune in to our racing action every Tuesday, 7 p.m. Central, Saturday and Sunday at 6 p.m. Central. All right, folks, this is Darren Gagne at Running Aces, and today I'm joined on the program with Dan and Jerry Rowland from Iowa, who are the owners of Banker Volo. And, uh, of course, uh, fans of Running Aces are very familiar with Banker Volo. He's been a top uh, contender in the open trot here over the past couple of seasons. And this year, uh, he has been as good as he's ever been. He's had four races, two wins, a second and a third. And he just set a new all-age track record here at Running Aces, 154-3. and three. Uh, Very impressive uh, mile in that one. So, Dan and Jerry, uh, what do you think about that mile? I got a little nervous when the three quarters came up. It uh, Luke likes to go fast, I think. He does. There's no question about that. But uh, Banker Volo kept going, and he really dazzled with a new track record. It was very impressive and exciting. And tell me about uh, Banker Volo. How long have you had this horse? We got him a year ago, October. Is that right? That sounds right, yep. Yep. We, uh, our stallion that we had at the time was getting older and we were getting more mares by that stallion that we wanted to keep him breed so we were looking for another one and he came up for sale online uh showed in the past that he'd been a really nice horse but hadn't raced for i think 18 months before that and so we kind of took a chance thinking for the price if we could breed mares we were okay and if we could get him racing again we'd be doing well and he's done better than we ever imagined he would he has done fantastic. As I mentioned, he had a great season here at Running Aces last year, and then he took him to Ohio. Uh, I know that I saw him winning the Open at Dayton Raceway, so he did very well out there as well, correct? Yes. And uh, now you started him uh, a little bit later in the year of this year. Uh, basically, it looks like to get him ready to be here at Running Aces. Is that correct? No, I think he's kind of on the same schedule as last year. We were breeding mares at home with him last year. Um, and didn't race him until running aces. And then this year he we made the decision to stand him in Minnesota and have Minnesota bred babies. And so he's been up at Jenny King's farm, and she got him ready to race this year. Okay. So he's doing double duty as a stud and also uh, continuing his racing career where he's very good on the track. He's an 8-year-old by Yankee Glide. He's out of a Tagliabue mare, uh, Bank of Newport. So he's got a lot of great credentials there. How many mares has he bred up to this point? I believe he bred 15 last year, and he has bred not not as many, maybe seven or eight this year, I think. Okay. Well, uh, I, for one, certainly am definitely looking forward to seeing his babies on the racetrack uh, soon. Definitely looking forward to that. Um, now, it's very fortunate that Banker Vola was not at your farm in your barn back in March of this year, correct? Um, we had an unfortunate tragedy there at your farm in Grinnell, Iowa, with a barn fire that uh, was devastating and tragic. Tell us a little bit about that. I guess I'll let you take that one. (laughs) Well, um, we did lose our entire barn, 
and um, the barn was full at the time, but but probably one of the small blessings and all of it was that we had just sent Banker to Minnesota about four days before before the fire, otherwise he would have been there also. So um, out of all that, we... Uh, we were pretty devastated by the by the whole fire and and all the horses that we lost, but we have to count our our blessings in that none of us were hurt and Absolutely. it wasn't our home, and that Banker had already left for Minnesota at the time it happened. Absolutely, you did lose nine horses, I believe. Is that correct in the fire? It was nine, and then two of the two of the nine were mares that were due to foal just any day, so, so um, we lost it. those babies as well. That makes it that much worse as well. So it's been a process of rebuilding, obviously, since then. I know you've um, uh, been putting a barn back up. You've had some uh, very nice people helping you out, volunteering to do, to put up the barn, um, and in the process of rebuilding your uh, inventory of horses, both mares and racehorses and the like. Can you tell us about that? We've really had to rely on on a lot of friends and family through this whole process. You know, we had um, we lost the barn, so we had nowhere to to keep any horses and mares who were foaling and so forth. So, we've had some some very good friends that have helped us out racing racing the horses that we have picked up to try to start rebuilding our our stock. Um, so yeah, it's been it's been a bit of a process. Generally, the harness racing community, whenever some type of tragedy like this really does come together and step up. Has that been the case that you've seen? Yes. It's, I mean, it's been unbelievable, the number of people around the country, both ones that we know, because we do know a lot of people in the industry all over the country, but ones that we don't know that have sent gifts, that have donated money, that have done favors, um, like she was talking about finding some other horses to race this summer. We've got two in Chicago that we bought since the fire and had people that arranged transportation, arranged purchase, um, like she said, trained them and, and have been racing them around the country. It's It's been un- overwhelming. It's always great to see the, the community and the way that people come together uh, in these types of situations. So... Uh, those of us out there that might be interested in, in breeding to Banker Volo, how, how would we find out more information about that? I know your Danger Farm, is that correct, is the name of your operation? Yes, we've got a Facebook page, and actually just this week we started working on a Facebook page for Banker himself, um, but they can contact us on Facebook to get more information. Uh, he does, like you don't have to breed the mare to him. We take him to a vet clinic to... Uh, collect and ship right okay and we can definitely expect to uh, keep him up here in minnesota for the rest of the season yes absolutely great yep. glad to hear that and uh will you be sending any other stock up here to race uh, this summer we've got one up there right now that'll be coming back for the stakes races and then we've got two in chicago right now that depending how that goes might be up there later also okay well that's great well we're certainly uh, very excited about his uh, new track record, all-age uh, record of 154-3, and three, and uh, very impressive he is on the track. He's got a lot of local fans here at Running Aces, so we wish you uh, continued success with Banker Bowl in the future, and like I said, can't wait to see those Banker babies on the racetrack. And uh, we wish you all the best, continuing to rebuild uh, after the tragedy uh, that happened earlier this year, but... You know, sometimes those things in life come along. We have to pick up and rebuild and move on and 
be uh, better uh, for the wear, if, if, if that's uh, possible. Yep, that's correct. All right, I want to thank Dan and Jerry Rowland for joining me today on the program. They're the owners of the great Banker Volo, the open trotter here at Running Aces, who just had an all-age record of 154-3 and three on June the 3rd on Saturday night. Thanks, Dan, and thanks, Jerry. Thank you. Running Aces Casino and Racetrack is the premier harness racing facility and card club in the Upper Midwest, located just off I-35 and just north of the Twin Cities in beautiful Minnesota and available at simulcast centers and on ADWs across North America. With live harness racing action on Tuesday, Saturday, and Sunday nights from May through September. This season, Running Aces introduces the new 20-cent jackpot pick five wager. For more information, visit our website, runaces.com. The New Vocations Racehorse Adoption Program places retired racehorses into approved monitored homes and transitions them into second careers. New Vocations has placed over 350 retired standard breads the past three years. They are now accepting horses from all racetracks in the United States. New Vocations has facilities in Ohio, Kentucky, and Pennsylvania, and is expanding to New York. To learn more, visit newvocations.org and on Facebook at New Vocations Racehorse Adoption Program. Now at Bet America, every track is a bonus track. Earn rewards points for every wager you make on every track. We also offer more points for all exotic wagers. And don't forget about our weekly promos. Check our calendar to see how you can earn double points on featured tracks and races. Sign up for Bet America today to start earning points and get up to a $400 bonus with our new 200% deposit match. See our website for reward points, state restrictions. All right, we're back on this edition of Post Time with Mike and Mike, and we're about to wrap this thing up. It has been a fantastic hour and a half. We thank everybody who uh, hung in there and joined us for the entire show. We'll be back on next Thursday with a first post of 1030 in the morning. Good night, everybody. Stay here I know